What's going on? What's going on? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, are you ready? I said, are you ready? Well then, for the one man on the microphone at home and the millions listening on the podcast airwaves, let's get ready to botch it. Welcome to the Life's a Botch podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Dwayne Dickey, a.k.a. the Botch King, a.k.a. the Human Highlight Reel. We got a show for you today, folks. Uh, No particular guest on today. It is just going to be me and you guys at home. So feel free to uh, let me know your thoughts. Make sure you're following Life's a Botch Podcast on the Instagram at Life's a Botch Podcast. Make sure you join in on Facebook at the Life's a Botch Podcast Facebook group. And be sure to give the Life's a Botch Podcast a like as well on Facebook. And... uh, Pretty soon we'll have some YouTube stuff coming up and uh, also working on the Twitter as well for live tweeting action, just in case you're the type of person that likes to be on live tweet action when uh, pay-per-views and shows are going on and all that good stuff. Uh, Once again, I'd like to thank On The Sidelines for uh, sponsoring us right now and letting us keep be live on today. It is a beautiful feeling. This is episode two. Count it. Episode number two. And... uh, Without further ado, ladies and gents, let's go ahead and get into some headlines on today. All right. So, first things first, coming out of AEW, this just in that a former voice of the WWE and an ECW legend, the human suplex machine, that's right, Taz, Mr. Taz, has now joined the AEW commentating team. He will be commentating this upcoming week for AEW Dark, which is basically AEW's secondary show to Dynamite. Basically, it is the show that records the dark matches that you guys don't see before Dynamite airs on television. So he's going to be the official commentator for AEW Dark. Um, I'm assuming that also means eventually in time they may even work them in to do some commentating action for Dynamite. But to anybody who knows Taz and knows his body of work, not just as a pro wrestler and a human suplex machine, but also as the person who was commentating in the good old ruthless aggression era days with Brock Lesnar and Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit and so many more names from that time frame. Taz was such a legendary addition to the to the SmackDown commentating team and, of course, the uh, former secondary reincarnation of ECW that was a fail. Nonetheless, Taz was a voice for that as well. And uh, he left WWE on his own terms. He speaks about it a lot on his podcast that he had, which was called The Taz Show. He was currently, if, you're, if you guys are probably wondering and just didn't keep up with Taz, you're probably wondering... What happened to Taz? Where did he go after those years in WWE when he was a commentator? Well, basically, he kind of went into the podcasting world, and uh, he really made a lot of money doing podcasting. He was uh, signed under CBS Sports. And so uh, being signed as a wrestling specialist for CBS Sports Radio, he had the Taz Show, 
And uh, initially, the show started off as a daily show. He was giving you guys content and feedback on live shows and everything on a daily basis. And then over time, his show moved from being daily to being every other day. So like a Monday, Wednesday, and a Friday or something of that nature. Uh, and he mainly did that because he had other shows as well through CBS Sports Radio. He had a show called Taz and the Moose, where Taz and the Moose, his co-host, the Moose, would get together and they would talk other sports outside of wrestling, such as basketball, football, college, and all of those things. So recently, uh, a couple episodes back on the Taz show, Taz did answer to and address the rumors where people were talking about his contract with CBS Sports Radio. It was coming up to an end. He also admitted on his show that he deeply was missing the commentating action in pro wrestling. Uh, often anybody who follows his show, he was always, always big on critiquing any bit of commentary that he didn't like, whether it was AEW, NXT, WWE, anything, Impact, any type of commentating that he just was not a fan of, he would always give his honest critique and uh, offer his experience. So congrats to AEW for really signing Taz on board and bringing him on board. I'm excited. I don't know if anybody else is, but it is great to have him on board, and I cannot wait to hear him on AEW Dark. So, Taz, welcome back to the pro wrestling industry. We have missed you so dearly, as you know, very much so. All right, moving on. NWA Power. NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, has um, recently come on, and they debuted their NWA Power show, which is a television tape show in the Atlanta studios. Um, and what they do is they take the show and then they broadcast it, and they've been broadcasting it on Facebook and YouTube. They just did their first uh, premiere episode this week, and these are the results of what they got this week on their viewership. NWA Power debuted its live studio taping on YouTube and Facebook Live with a total of 475,000 viewers, with 371,000 of that coming from YouTube and the 94,000 coming from Facebook Live. They are very excited and very thrilled with the viewership, and they look to continue to do this. So if you like things outside of WWE, things wrestling outside of the WWE, be sure you check out NWA Power. Uh, there are a lot of dope talents. If you remember James Storm, the cowboy James Storm, he is on there. Nick Aldis is the current NWA champion. He was also known as Magnus in his TNA Impact Wrestling days. So uh, those are just a couple of known names just for anybody who's looking for an escape from WWE uh, and they just want to find some other wrestling promotions. Check out NWA Power. Okay. Going on to the WWE for a second. As a matter of fact, before we go to WWE, let's jump over to Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling has Bound for Glory coming Sunday, October the 20th. Impact has sold out, guys. They sold out their show for Bound for Glory. To those who don't know or haven't followed Impact, Impact Wrestling, formerly known as TNA Wrestling and all the other names they had, TNA, Impact Wrestling, their biggest show, pay-per-view-wise, was always Bound for Glory. To them, that is like their WrestleMania show. And it will be in Illinois, and it is a sold-out show officially. So congrats to Impact Wrestling. 
for those who know, Impact has been on such an up and down roller coaster over the years. So to know that they their biggest pay-per-view show has officially sold out is a great thing. Continue up the good work, Impact Wrestling. And uh, as you know, they just bought out on Access TV. So in a couple of weeks, we'll be seeing them air live on Tuesdays through Access TV. So check your local cable networks and uh, look for Access TV if you want to catch some uh, Impact Wrestling action. Okay, and so with Bound for Glory also, just to those who are familiar with Impact Wrestling and keep up, here is the match card officially so far up to date for Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory. Okay, so coming from the bottom, no particular order, we've got the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, going against Rich Swan, my boy Rich Swan. And Willie Mack, my other boy, love those two, going against also Rhino and Rob Van Dam. That's right, ECW Originals. They will be in a three-way tag team match for the Impact World Tag Team Championship belts. You also have a call-your-shot gauntlet match where the winner can choose any championship match of their choosing. So... All of Impact's talent that probably aren't on the card will be in this match. And uh, whoever wins gets to choose whatever championship match they want to have. Okay. You also have Tessa Blanchard going against Daga, going against Ace Austin, and one more Impact Wrestling talent to be announced very soon in the upcoming week. These guys will battle in a intergender ladder match for the Impact X Division Championship. Now, you're probably thinking why it's called intergender simply because of Miss Tessa Blanchard, seeing as how she is the current and only female within this match. They do have to put the intergender tag team, the intergender word in front of that. So that's going to be exciting. Many feel like Tessa Blanchard is going to be the strong favorite, possibly become the first woman in not just impact history, but wrestling history to win the Impact X Division Championship, and dare I say, cash in option C, and very much so possibly, just possibly win, dare I say, the Impact World Heavyweight Championship. So, look out for that. Speaking of the women, we have Taya Valkyrie going against Tanel Dashwood, formerly known as Emma, to those of you who are WWE lovers and probably want to know who Tanel Dashwood is. She was formerly known as Emma. And she's going to be going against Taya Valkyrie in a singles match for the Impact Knockouts Women's Championship. All right. We also have the Rascals, which is Desmond Xavier, Trey Miguel, and Zachary Wentz going against Dr. Wagner Jr., Aerostar, and Taurus in a six-man tag team match. This is basically a promotional battle. You've got AAA, which is uh, Lucha Wrestling in Mexico, going against Impact Wrestling talent. So that's going to be an exciting match amongst uh, cruiserweights, and it's going to be really, really awesome. Look out for that. We also have Michael Elgin going against Naomachi Marufuji in a singles match. Marufuji is a legend in Japanese culture. He is a sumo wrestler, and this match is going to be very, very intriguing. So be on the lookout for that match. We also have... Mr. Moose, who is killing it in the game right now amongst the hills and amongst pretty much a lot of big men talent. He is going against Ken Shamrock. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I said Ken Shamrock. He is making his return to the wrestling ring. The man looks in phenomenal shape. 
I will say he is aging, yet still managed to have a very ripped-out body. And uh, it's going to be interesting when we see those two battle. If you haven't seen the promos, be sure to follow Ken Shamrock and or Moose on their Instagram and just check out the promos. The promos on Moose's Instagram have been phenomenal. He is killing it. And, man, I, I personally cannot wait for this matchup just because of the promos alone. The promos have sold me on this. I don't know what Ken Shamrock is going to look like in the ring. He is older. However, hopefully, Moose goes over because he's been beating basically every legend that he's gone up against so far, from Rob Van Dam to Tommy Dreamer and so many more. So hopefully, Ken Shamrock gets added to the list and uh, tune in for that match. And finally, your main event for Bound for Glory is going to be Brian Cage, the machine, Brian Cage, who is your current Impact Wrestling Champion, going against Sammy Callahan from OVE, the leader of OVE. And that's going to be a very interesting match. I really love the story that these two have been using and building up so far leading up to this feud. So it's going to be a very intriguing battle. Uh, so yeah, that is your current up-to-date Bound for Glory wrestling card. So uh, tune in. Once again, congrats to Impact Wrestling on a sold-out Bound for Glory show. So be sure you check your local listings, check your pay-per-view schedules. October 20th on Sunday at 8 p.m., we will have Bound for Glory. Okay, so let's go on to some WWE news here. First things first, Byron Saxton, my man Byron Saxton, a.k.a. Carlton 2.0, finally has a home as you know, with the recent shakeup and the announced crew in the shows and the brands, we wondered what happened to Tom Phillips. And we know Tom Phillips is now with the UK brand and NXT. And Byron Saxton was the only one we were wondering what happened with him. Where is he now? Well, it turns out Byron Saxton has just been moved over to the main event show. So to those of you who don't really watch main event, that is the show that usually records just before Monday Night Raw gets officially started. So it's kind of like an hour show, and it features pretty much everybody that you don't get to see on the main roster television shows. Uh, people that you often forget is pretty much on that roster, such as an EC3 or Heath Slater, uh, you know, just talents where you're like, man, they still wrestle for WWE. Yes, guys, WWE is that stacked on their roster to where even when you think someone's no longer there, Chances are they're wrestling on main event. But nonetheless, congrats to Byron Saxton. Some would look at that as a downgrade. Some may look at that as an upgrade. He doesn't have to work as hard. Who knows? But Byron Saxton is on main event. He will be joining on commentary Dio Madden and Mickey James. Yes, Mickey James is also officially a part of the commentary team. She is currently still rehabbing from a knee injury that she suffered. So in the meantime... She is commentating and is keeping her busy for now. Uh, so congrats to Mickey James. I'm going to have to catch a, a main event episode. Main event does not have a current television deal or anything. In order to watch main event, you either have to do watch it on YouTube, possibly on the WWE Network, uh, or tune in on the WWE Network. Uh, so either go to YouTube, look under the WWE page on YouTube and see if you can watch matches from main event or tune into your WWE Network subscription. Okay, Raw and SmackDown had their draft this week. We'll get a little more into detail on that later, but recently, uh, based off the rules uh, on SmackDown, we know that they had about 
30 superstars get drafted. And basically, whoever didn't get drafted from that first pool became free agents. So recently, in recent news, Raw and SmackDown have signed their free agents to their rosters. Raw has signed EC3, Sin Cara, and Eric Young. SmackDown signed Heath Slater, Apollo Crews, Tamina, Drew Gulak, and the B-Team. B-Team, B-Team. No, no, no. Well, that looks like uh, a nice jobber list to me, I would say. Uh, but hopefully I'm wrong about that. I would really love to see some of these guys and girls flourish. But uh, we already know what the deal is with most of these talents. And uh, it ain't looking too good for them. More than likely, they're just going to be jobbing out to the main roster or whoever's getting uh, the current push of the week. And uh, so, yeah. SmackDown again has Heath Slater, Apollo Crews, Tamina, Drew Gulak, and the B-Team, while Raw signs EC3, Sin Cara, and Eric Young. Now, the current free agent pool that is still around, those who haven't been signed to a show yet, the following names are Cesaro, Humberto Carrillo, and Akira Tozawa, and Chad Shorty Gable. Um, so yes, those names are still listed as unsigned free agents. Will they land on the show? Who knows? Hopefully so. We shall find out in due time. Now, Dave Meltzer reports that NXT plans to take their live TV show on the road beginning in 2020. Vince was, um, unpleased with what he sees and what they're doing is they're going to be searching venues throughout the rest of the year. They're going to try to find venues that are similar to that of AEW. Not quite the big arena venues, but big enough to where you can have at least 14,000 people and just give them a bigger experience. Because as you know, with AEW, that's a sold-out crowd of about 14-plus thousand people. And NXT currently, with it being in full sell, is only about 400 hardcore diehard fans. And so there's a big difference when you watch those two shows on television because one minute you're seeing AEW with a, a phenomenal crowd, a huge crowd, and then you turn on the NXT, you see good wrestling, but unfortunately with the crowd you also happen to hear an intimate crowd that is not really that loud. Therefore, congrats to NXT. Hopefully they find the right venues. And again, for now until 2020, we're still going to be seeing them at full sell. So hopefully the ratings can hold up to par until they start finding those bigger venues. Okay, SmackDown. Speaking of ratings, SmackDown, their ratings came in for the week and their ratings have dropped tremendously by a million viewers in week two. Last week, given the mega names that were advertised and all the promotion that Fox put behind the show, they managed to clock in about 4 million viewers. This week, they dropped about a million, and they clocked in exactly about 2.8 million on this week. So congrats to SmackDown. Your ratings plummet has officially began. Hopefully, this is not a continuous trend, but knowing WWE and the way they've marketed, chances are it's going to go downhill from here. But as my boys The New Day would say, it's all about the power of positivity. But you know how that goes, guys. You can only be positive for so long. So hopefully, WWE can give us better product and all that good stuff. Now, all that being said, that is your current news for the week. Um, actually. 
there is one more, one more rumor. There's one more. Rated R superstar Edge is rumored to be cleared by the WWE and has also been rumored to have signed a one-year deal with the WWE to come back to the ring and wrestle. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Edge, who is currently, I believe, 45, is currently cleared to come back into the wrestling ring. So whether this is a full-time deal, whether this is a part-time deal, it is said that Edge is cleared indeed to come back and wrestle some matches. So when you hear this, tell me who you guys would love to see Edge wrestle in a dream match if this rumor tends to be true. Me personally, off the top, I would have loved to have seen Seth Rollins and Edge go at it. More so a heel Seth, but the way Seth's been looking nowadays, I really wouldn't want to see that. However, um, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe Edge go against, I don't know, maybe a Ricochet or, dare I say, a Drew Gulak. Um... I don't know, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to think above the standards here, you know. I mean, with the way WWE's current talent of crop of people are right now, it's very hard to really sum up a dream match. I do know AJ Styles for sure. AJ Styles versus Edge would definitely be an awesome dream match. And uh I would love to see that feud for sure, especially with AJ currently as the heel. Even though Edge was always better genuinely as a heel himself. Given the fact that he's older, I'm pretty sure they would have Edge in a babyface role because the crowd's really not going to boo Edge with him being back in the ring. You know, they're going to want to see Edge. They're going to want to cheer Edge on because they're happy. You know, he's a legend. They're, he's a Hall of Famer. So I'm pretty sure he would be a babyface off the top. So him versus AJ Styles, to me, would be the number one dream match feud I would love to see. That would be right on the money. Um, but nonetheless... That's pretty much that. Uh, so stay tuned. Keep your eyes and ears peeled on if that rumor is true. I will keep that news up to date with you guys episode by episode. And uh, yeah, that does it for this week's news. Now, let's go ahead and uh, recap our week in wrestling. And let's talk about the things that we have seen, the things that we have missed. So... Let's go ahead and start on Monday Night with Raw. What can I say about Monday Night Raw? I'm not going to lie, guys. Raw, WWE in general, let me down this week. I really was pumped knowing that we had a draft coming this week. It was going to be network versus network. We were going to have a chance to really just see the battle of network executives. And... Somehow, WWE managed to always do what they do, and they found a way to make things corny. And I really hate when they do that, because when something is not organic like it used to be, I'll never forget those times in the Attitude Era just trying to guess what was next. And even in the Ruthless Aggression Era, when things were getting a little bit predictable for me, they were still unpredictable moments, and they were still moments that you could cherish. Nowadays... It's almost like it's just so hard to watch WWE and not just be turned off by the things that you see. So as you guys know, on last week's episode of Raw, or should I really say last week's SmackDown, 
There's my first botch of the day, ladies and gents. <laughs> you know it. We're going to get sound effects on this show very soon. So uh, you guys stay tuned for that because hopefully that comes pretty soon. But last Friday night on SmackDown, during their premiere week episode, we saw Tyson Fury getting into it with Braun Strowman. And we also saw where Cain Velasquez comes out as, as big brother to Rey Mysterio and basically beat the crap out of Brock Lesnar and put fear back on that man's face. So, of course, they're piggybacking off of that going into this week. Us as wrestling fans, it's like we knew it was coming. We knew how this was going to go. And, man, I tell you, it's crazy, you know? But before I get into Raw, I, just, I actually just almost forgot. Before we get into Monday, seeing as how last week I didn't get to kind of give you guys a live reaction on Hell in the Cell, I'm going to recap Hell in the Cell really, really quickly. Hell in the Cell was great for about the first two matches. After that, it's debatable what you could say. So with Hell in the Cell... It started off on fire. You could see the crowd really anticipating what was going to happen on tonight. They seemed to be very amped and excited. Out comes Sasha Banks. And so you already knew that it was time for the women's Hell in the Cell match to start off. So the women kicked things off. You know, how gentlemanlike of WWE. Hey, ladies first, right? So Sasha and Becky tear the house down. They have a phenomenal and, I mean, crazy, crazy great match inside of the Hell in a Cell, despite the fact that that Hell in a Cell is still one big red cage, and I'll never understand why they made that cage red. It just... You know what? We'll get into that a little later. But nonetheless, I don't know why this cage is red still. I don't know what made them do that, and I hate that they did that. Nonetheless, it is what it is. So we saw Sasha and we saw, you know, Sasha and Becky just tear the house down. They were doing very creative and innovative like moves and using all kind of weapons like kendo sticks and chairs in ways that you wouldn't expect anyone to use them. We saw a table spot where uh, we saw some ladder usage in this as well. I mean, these ladies literally found a way to make the Hell in a Cell match very interesting, unlike it has been in a while. For a while, it's kind of been the same old thing. You know, you're inside the cell, and it just lost a lot of its uniqueness. You know, it's especially since WWE doesn't really do much of the blood anymore, and they don't do really much of the hardcore, hardcore stuff like they did in the Attitude and Ruthless Aggression era. These days, it's kind of hard to really watch a good Hell in a Cell match. The only exception before that match was when the Usos went against the New Day. Usos! New Day! When those two battled out in the Hell in a Cell for the Tag Team Championships on SmackDown, that was an epic match. But, you know, they had great chemistry, and their rivalry has always been great anyway, so you knew that those four men locked up in a Hell in a Cell was it was just going to be gold. It had gold weighted all over it. So Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, same thing with them. You know, they're two of the four horsewomen, and, uh, you know, they got that in-ring chemistry. And so you knew eventually it was going to be a good match, and that's exactly what it was. They delivered. 
They did a lot of unique spots, a lot of crazy spots that made you go, ooh. And uh, the only thing about it that I didn't like, of course, was just the fact that Sasha Banks caught an L. And I don't know about anybody else, but I surely thought, I mean, Sasha just came back. It was her first pay-per-view match back. I mean, and I get that Becky's being protected because she's a major investment to the company right now. Arguably, she's the face of WWE right now. She's the modern-day John Cena, the modern-day version of The Rock. She's, you know, being portrayed as the face of the company legit right now. And she's a woman, so that that's a great thing. So shout-out to you ladies if you're listening. And so what can you say? I mean, with Becky being the face, I get it. You have to keep her protected. But this just goes to show that with WWE booking... When you have no other women who can match up to Becky's level outside of Sasha Banks, it's crazy how they just threw Sasha into this match like this when something like this easily could have been a WrestleMania match or something. You know, wait a couple pay-per-views down the line and let Sasha just, you know, really build her momentum. Now her momentum seems to have come to a halt. She Not only did she lose, but she tapped out. And so it's just kind of one of those deals where what's next for Sasha? I mean, you know, she had this momentum and she lost. So who really knows? But shout out to both ladies. They really made the Hell in a Cell match. And uh, the crowd was on fire after that. So then we go into match number two, which was Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan going against Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Another phenomenal match that was very, very good. These gentlemen, these four gentlemen, put on a heck of a show. It was a tornado-style tag match, so it wasn't a traditional tag match where one man had to be on the apron and wait for the tag. These guys were all in the ring together, and they were doing so many dope spots. Overall, initially, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns pick up the win. So automatically, it made you wonder, what is next for Eric Rowan and Luke Harper? I mean... At this point, you would have thought they would have got the W because they were looking like monster heels. They were dominating most of the match. Made you think they were going to win, but of course, with when whenever you have Roman Reigns you're tag teaming with and Daniel Bryan, of course you're going to probably lose that matchup. So, you know, they lost, and it kind of was what it was with that. You don't know what's going to happen with those guys at this point. Daniel Bryan ended up having a nice, familiar moment where he went in for the hug. He Roman Reigns was trying to shake his hand, and Daniel Bryan's like, nope, nope, not going to do it. And then he's reaching out his arms in the form of a hug. Roman Reigns is looking at him like, are you serious? I'm not going to do that. Crowd's chanting for it. They're like, go ahead and do it. Next thing you know, we see Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan hug each other in the ring. So that was a nice, heartwarming moment. The crowd ate it up, and uh, yeah, it was what it was with that. So, after that match, that's where things really just kind of slowly started tumbling downhill for that pay-per-view in a whole. Um, so, the Kabuki Warriors defeated Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross for the Women's Tag Team Championships. It was very random. The match was thrown together. It didn't really have any build. Says a lot about the women's tag team titles and how they've basically been 
messed up from the start. They have not been treated really well. They have not been pushed all that well, nor have they been booked that well. And at this rate, you don't have enough women for tag team action. So it's kind of one of those things where those tag team titles should just go ahead and be vacated. They need to be retired. And I feel like WWE won't do that anytime soon, to be honest. But it doesn't seem like they're adding any women's tag teams either. So it's just kind of up in the air what what happens from here with that stuff. Um, I mean, the talent in the women's division is really getting slim at this point. I think it's time for some NXT call-ups because it was reported that Sasha Banks suffered a tailbone injury after her match in Hell in a Cell. And it looked like she's going to be out of action, but I just heard where she was going to be advertised for a match this coming up Monday against Becky Lynch. And the winner of that match gets the first pick in the their brand gets the first pick in the, in the draft. So I'm guessing Sasha's injury isn't that bad to where she can still wrestle, but it's crazy. You know, she's kind of injured. I heard also from news reporting that Ember Moon is out for a year, up to a year with an injury that she suffered. As you guys know, Nia Jax is still rehabbing from her two ACL injuries that she suffered. Tamina just got back from injury Yet, many people don't seem to care about her. I don't know why, because I love Tamina, but it is what it is. Um, So, yeah, for what that counts, uh, she's back, but she's been injured. And it it just seems like, I mean, what do you do with tag team championships for the women when you barely have contenders as it is for the actual women's titles, you know? You have a SmackDown women's title and a Raw women's title. And then you got these tag team women's titles, and it's like, what do you do? Sometimes with WWE, it's very hard to tell. Now, I will say to the fans, you guys did kind of ask for the women's tag team titles at one point. And I get it. You know, when they gave it to you and they and they heard your voice and they gave you those tag titles, it had a lot of potential. You had Sasha and Bayley win those, and they had they were planning on going show to show showing up on NXT and wrestling some women there. And ultimately, then they basically defended them a couple of times. They went to WrestleMania, had a four-way match for those tag titles, and then they lost them. And after that, it just went downhill. So to this day, not too many people care about the women's tag team titles right now. So I don't know. But uh, shout-out to the Kabuki Warriors. Uh, Apparently, they also just turned heel because the match, again, was pretty good. Asuka ended up spraying Nikki Cross with the mist, the green mist. Very Tajiri-like of her. Um, And basically, she ends up catching the W for the Kabuki Warriors. They are your new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Now, that being said, I won't go match card after match card, but just to let you guys know, at that point, we saw matches such as Chad Gable, who is now named Shorty Gable, uh, which is very disrespectful. I don't like the fact that WWE actually took the time to give this man that kind of name to use on live television. It's just, how can you take your talent seriously when you get a name like Shorty Gable? And Chad Gable is a very athletic man. He's a former Olympian. 
And yes, he is very short, but nonetheless, he can still go in the ring with a lot of the best of them, and he can still put on stellar matches. So I don't know, man. It's crazy how they do that, but go ahead, WWE. Do what you want to do. It is what it is. You're going to do what you do always, and it's either you watch it or you don't watch it. So enough said. But we had Gable beat King Corbin in a match, a regular scheduled match. Uh, that they had no stakes on the line, nothing. It was just, it was just a match that we had seen again, and we just saw it again this week. Um, so you know, there was that. But uh, basically, the only thing left to talk about with the Hell in a Cell pay per view guys is the fact that when you got to the main event, the thing that everybody wanted to see, we had the Fiend Bray Wyatt go against Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. Now, this match, things started off very interesting. Seth Rollins, he comes out. And then, of course, Bray Wyatt comes out as the Fiend with his cool entrance and his cool remixed uh, entrance theme. And he's walking and walking, and it just looks so menacing, especially with the way the camera was doing different angles and panning in on it. He's coming out with that headless lantern, I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was really great to see. And then the match starts and the lighting got very, very red. And me being a personal fan of Kane for a second, I just thought to myself, is Kane going to like emerge? Is this going to be like an anniversary thing where he just shows up and they kind of, you know, flash back to when he debuted and just ripped the cell door open and, you know, what's going to happen here? I don't get it. What, 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 you know, come to find out the whole red lighting thing was basically just to make the fiend look more menacing and do all kinds of things like that. It was really just one of those guilt deals where it was like, man, I can't believe I'm watching this. The match started off pretty good. You had the fiend no selling a lot of hits with kendo sticks and everything Seth kept trying to do to the fiend. The fiend was just shaking it off and looking strong and putting a whole lot of offense on Seth. And then they were going back and forth for a while. There was some spots in that match where it was like, okay, cool. And then things just ended very awkwardly. After a while, we saw Seth Rollins giving his finishing maneuver the curb stomp. We saw him continuously doing it on Bray Wyatt. And he literally just would not stop, guys. He just continued to curb stomp and curb stomp. He hit a pedigree and a curb stomp. And everything he kept doing, you could hear the crowd getting irritated by it because they knew what that meant. And so as he's doing all these curb stomps, the crowd's booing him. Whenever he would go pin the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, he would kick out after a one count, and the crowd would cheer. And ladies and gentlemen, the crowd really, truly wanted Bray Wyatt to win this title. Because everybody currently is very, unless you're a Seth Rollins fan and you're listening, I'm sorry for you, but if you're a Seth Rollins fan, then you have your opinions. But everyone outside of Seth Rollins fans really don't like him as champion right now. They don't like his push. They feel like he got messed up the moment they put paired him up with his girlfriend slash fiance and Becky Lynch when they put them on live television as a couple and a tag team. There's just a lot of things. Some people feel like he's corny. He's being treated like a punk. And then there's the ever so WWE just 
sucks at booking baby faces. So there's that. When you take all that account, it just didn't do Seth any favors in this match. And everything that he continuously continued to do to The Fiend, I mean, he hit him in the head with a chair while he was laying on the ground. He threw ladders and chairs on him. He took a toolbox and... While those ladders and chairs are on top of Bray, he took a toolbox and slammed it all across. And then he took a chair and he did another. And then he pulls out the sledgehammer and we just saw all kinds of things. I mean, we saw Bray Wyatt pull out a mallet, a gigantic mallet. We saw Seth Rollins pull out this little sledgehammer. And that weapon used to be pretty cool, thanks to Triple H. And now Seth, once again, has taken his corny juices and put it even over that very iconic weapon that Triple H has made so famous. And, uh, yeah, guys, I mean, all of a sudden, the ref, we see he's warning Seth not to use that sledgehammer on Bray the Fiend Wyatt, who's still covered up underneath chairs and ladders. Seth hesitates, and then before you know it, he pushes the ref out the way. He hits what looks like Bray Wyatt underneath those things with the sledgehammer. And next thing you know, the match just stopped. The bell rings. And at this point, the crowd just goes off. They start booing. They start chanting stuff like refund. They started chanting just all kinds of things. They and, and, and the savage part comes in a sec. So I was upset, much like a lot of WWE fans, because... What really got me was when they started pulling out a stretcher for Bray Wyatt as the Fiend. To me, that kind of killed some of the the mystique of that character because you wouldn't see The Undertaker getting carted off. You wouldn't see Kane getting carted off. And if you did see The Undertaker getting carted off a cart, chances are he's going to sit up while he's on that cart and then get off the cart and probably chokeslam someone. Same case could be said and made for Kane as well. And, I mean, again, you just wouldn't see that. And so when you see The Fiend and he's laying there in that red lighting, it just makes no sense to have an, an, you know, a med staff come at, come at him with, with, like, a stretcher board. I mean, it just killed the persona of The Fiend, you know, in a way, even if it was very unintentional and innocent. So, literally, as he's on the ground, Seth is looking down at him, and then, out of nowhere, like a horror movie, the Fiend Bray Wyatt puts the mandible claw on Seth, takes him out the ring, gives him a sister Abigail on the floor. While this is all going on, we hear the crowd go chant, please start back, please start back, indicating they wanted the match to restart. The cage is already lifted at this point. They wanted the match to restart. It did not restart. That angered the fans even more to where they continuously booed. We saw Seth get another mandible claw, and he spat out some blood, and I'm guessing that means he has some blood packets in his mouth. One could argue it was probably even ketchup, but nonetheless, while that's being applied to him, we see him coughing up blood, and um, the crowd, while all of this is going on, they're steady booing. The boos did not stop at that point when the show ends, and they were chanting, dare I say, AEW towards the end of that show. And you know it's a bad show when the home crowd that you are entertaining is chanting for your competition right now. So, uh, yeah, smooth move, guys, smooth move. Nonetheless, that made the botch of the week. I'm going to give that the official botch of the week because of the fact that... (laughs) 
How do you mess that up? I mean, you have your hottest character in WWE right now, and you put him in a title match that he really shouldn't have been in so soon to begin with, if at all, because he doesn't need the title. Yet, if you're going to put him in a Hell in a Cell match as The Fiend, going against Seth, he should not only destroy Seth, but he should win the championship. And all the fans, us fans, wrestling fans, we are smart. We are not stupid. WWE tries to make us look stupid or make us feel like we're stupid. But we can see straight through the BS and we understand, listen, no, okay? Not doing it. <laughs> but that was Hell in a Cell, ladies and gentlemen. Not much to talk about outside of the first two matches and how completely botched that main event was. Now, carrying back over to Raw, speaking of that main event, Raw and WWE thought they were slick. You see, Vince decided he wasn't going to have Seth Rollins show up on the show, so Seth Rollins was not there. Bray Wyatt was so-callably so injured after his match with Seth, so there was that. And... We didn't see either one of those characters on Raw that next day. And WWE thinks they're slick because we know that if Seth Rollins' music would have hit at the start of that show, booze would have come so hard upon him, that man would have to go to the back and be like, I can't go out there. They're booing me way too hard. So props to WWE again for just trying to be slick and treat wrestling fans like they're stupid. They did eventually reference the Hell in a Cell main event amongst those two but they chose to do it an hour and a half into the show. Keep in mind, Raw is a three-hour show, so you wait an hour and a half to finally address it, and they did it through a video promo package. Nothing special. Uh, speaking of nothing special, Monday Night Raw opened up with a very juicy episode, a very juicy segment amongst Bobby Lashley and Lana. Um... Not going to lie, in this current era of WWE, I've seen some romantic scenes, so it wasn't that completely new. Uh, we saw Mandy Rose when she was tempting Jimmy Uso, who's married to Naomi, and Mandy Rose and Naomi had their little issues and their feud going on. And we saw where Mandy Rose was just seducing him and you know, talking about how she gave him naked pictures and you know, and then we saw the hotel scene where she's in the towel and got the lingerie and she's flashing Jimmy saying, you know, you want this. And he's like, nope, can't do this. Got to go. And then she frames him and he frames her and is like, hey, I got you. And there's Naomi and they start brawling. We've seen these type of things before. So I'm not going to say it was brand new, but I will say it is very interesting to kick off Monday Night Raw where Rusev is in the ring with Randy Orton and King Corbin. And then all of a sudden, Lana and Bobby Lashley appear on the Titantron in what is to be Rusev's house. Lana's saying that she signed the divorce papers, so this indicates storyline-wise they are divorced in storyline, not real life. They're divorced, and Lana basically is in bed with Bobby Lashley. She has this incredibly, incredibly sexy pink lingerie. And she's in bed with Bobby Lashley, who's just cheesing like a grin devil he is. <laughs> and I don't blame him, because if you're in the bed with Lana and she's looking like that, hey, man, 
you'd be smiling ear to ear too. I found it funny because it was also kind of corny, but it was still funny. And I'm just like, hey, Bobby Lashley, I ain't mad at you, buddy. I wish I was you myself. Nonetheless, they Bobby Lashley was in bed with nothing but shorts on while Lana was in lingerie. But she covers up. She talks to Rusev through the Titan Tron. For the second week in a row, Rusev looks like a little punk because he's sitting there just sad and distraught. Lana slowly takes off her bra, but she's still undercovers. And then she cuddles up next to Lashley and she laughs. And that's kind of that. And after that, you see Randy Orton and King Corbin kind of laughing at Rusev's misery, at his pain. They Kevin hearted him. They're laughing at his pain. Nonetheless, after that, that's when we notice that Rusev just snaps and he beats up Randy Orton and he beats up King Corbin. And that was kind of that, guys. Um, Yeah, um, to be honest, there was nothing special about Raw. Uh, I mean, again, segments like that are always kind of cool to watch. Kind of takes you back to the Attitude Era a little bit when you see hotel and bed scenes and stuff like that. But nothing too special happened on Raw. Um, Let's just go to where it ended. It basically ended with Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman in the middle of the ring, both cutting promos on each other and explaining and talking about their beef with each other and the fact that Strowman was claiming that he was just messing around with Tyson Fury and Fury's like, I ain't trying to hear that. I want to hear an apology or else it's me and you. And so next thing you know, they exchange words, then they exchange blows. And it was just a segment where those two were going at it. And it is now official that they're going to be having a match against each other at Crown Jewel, a.k.a. Sweet Saudi Money. That's going to be going on October the 31st. We will have... Tyson Fury go against Braun Strowman. Based off of the way they were tussling in that ring and stuff like that, I'm not going to lie, y'all. You just know that's going to be a crap match. I'm still going to watch it just off of intrigue and the fact of how they're going to go with this. We've kind of seen boxer and wrestler angles before. Going back to Mike Tyson and Stone Cold Steve Austin, We know they had their little feud, but there wasn't too much physical. We saw where Tyson pushed Stone Cold, and then Stone Cold was fighting through a bunch of people trying to get at Tyson. And so, you know, there's stuff like that. Uh, We also saw Floyd Mayweather and the Big Show have their WrestleMania feud, and we saw where Big Show was beating up Floyd Mayweather's entourage or where he picked up Floyd Mayweather and he threw him on top of his entourage. Um, So, yeah, I mean... The whole boxer versus wrestler thing is not completely new on WWE television. My issue is the fact that they just keep recycling this as a desperate attempt to really not only draw ratings, but to also just be like, hey, guys, look, we got the hottest boxer or we got the hottest MMA UFC fighter in the building. And guess what? They're going to be joining us. They're going to be going against one of our top guys. And so when you see that, it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, what's next? What do do you go from here? What do you do? Uh, So, yeah. Nonetheless, if you're interested, Crown Jewel, WWE Network, streaming live that day. 
just be sure to catch it October 31st, live on the WWE Network, where you're going to have Tyson Fury go against Braun Strowman in an official wrestling match, ladies and gentlemen. So a boxer is actually going to be going against a pro wrestler in the wrestling ring. Straight, legit shoot. So that should be interesting. All right. Other than that, guys, that's enough of Raw Talk. Let's go ahead and move down to Wednesday. Of course, as you know, it was week two of the Wednesday Night Wars. And your winner is... AEW! AEW has drawn the ratings war, and they are now 2-0 up against NXT. Now, in fairness to NXT... NXT aired two weeks before AEW, and so their ratings have been taking a dramatic drop from the first week they aired up until this point. AEW did drop followers a little bit. They dropped some viewers from last week, but they still managed to clock in a million, and a lot of people didn't think they were going to be capable of doing that again this week. Uh, so going into this new week, into week three, we shall see if they continue to have the trend of going one million. Uh, many also blame the fact that with the MLB playoffs going on right now, it's you know they've been drawing in about five million viewers for that. So a lot of the viewers from AEW are probably tuning in just to see what's going on with AEW, and then they're right back over to the MLB, giving their attention there. So once the MLB playoffs are over, as we know, we're in the middle of football season. Basketball season will be getting underway in a few weeks. So basically, once the MLB is over uh, playoffs-wise and championship game World Series-wise, when that all ends, at that point, that's when we'll probably start seeing more consistent million viewership amongst AEW. But I will say, for two weeks in a row at being one million, that's pretty good for AEW, so congrats to them. Now, as far as the actual match cards and everything we saw in this week, I won't go tit for tat, but I will say there was a lot of phenomenal action on both shows. Uh, we saw Kushida take on Walter in the main event of NXT. Uh, both of them are undefeated, and somebody had to take a loss, and Kushida was the one who ended up taking that loss. And Walter is still undefeated as we speak. Uh, we had Cruiserweight Championship action to kick off NXT. We had Drew Gulak, who was the current reigning Cruiserweight Champion. It is now called the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, by the way, people. And uh, he went against my man, the man of the hour, the man of the hour, Leo Rush. Leo Rush ends up picking up the win against Drew Gulak, and he is your new reigning, defending, undisputed cruiserweight champ, the man of the hour, my man, Leo Rush. That's right. Leo Rush is your new NXT cruiserweight champion. Major congrats to him, given everything he's been through within this year. This was just a crazy year for him where he was paired up with Bobby Lashley. Some liked it. Some loved it. Some hated it. Nonetheless, he went from that to an issue where he felt like he wasn't getting paid. 
and he kind of has some disagreements with some veterans like Mark Henry and 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 Finn Balor and fellow other wrestling talents. And he basically was off of WWE television, practically blackballed in a way, which was weird because we knew he was still with WWE. It's just WWE wasn't using him. He was just off TV, uh, basically doing his own thing. Uh, what I want to commend him on is the fact that even with being away from WWE, he took that time to get himself together and he managed to live life outside of wrestling. He worked on music. You can tell music is a secondary passion of his. Uh, he got to spend time with his wife and his family and uh, he just recuperated himself. And you can just see it even now that he is totally rejuvenated. He is happy to be back and it is well-deserved that he is cruiserweight champion Shout out to that black excellence right there. Whoop, whoop. Yes, yes. So, also, let's go over to AEW. Speaking of opening matches, we had a phenomenal tag team match to kick off AEW. As you know, AEW is currently running a tournament to determine who the first ever crowned AEW World Tag Team Champions will be. And so, we had the opening round match where it was the Young Bucks, the veterans, part of the elite gang, taking on my boys from the NYC private party. Man, talk about a phenomenal match. If you guys missed this match, please, please, please go on YouTube, see if you can find it, and just check out the amazing back-and-forth action between the Young Bucks and the private party. Now, these guys wrestled in a indie promotion in New York City known as House, House of Glory Wrestling. They, when Private Party was doing their final farewell match, they had their final farewell match for HOG against Mr. Young Bucks. I'm sorry, the Young Bucks. Sorry, guys, I had a little bit of a brain fart there. <clears throat> Botch. <laughs> but yes, Private Party did go against the Young Bucks in a farewell match for HOG. And uh, they tore the house down there as well. So you already knew they were going to tear the house down on live television, on TNT, for AEW in their opening match. The crowd was into it. They were super energetic. And, I mean, they were just going at it. It was back-and-forth action all the way. And uh, Private Party picked up the upset win. They ended up picking up the win over the Young Bucks, who many thought were probably going to pick up that win, move on to the next round. But Private Party outsmarted the Young Bucks, and they managed to pick up that W, and they are going forth unto the next round. Uh, so that was great, phenomenal action. Again, the crowd was super into it, and uh, you knew it was coming. Like I said, if you are a fan of wrestling outside of WWE and you are familiar with House of Glory, then you knew... The private party were going to kill it with the Young Bucks, and that's exactly what they did. Speaking of House of Glory, to those who do not know the news, that's another thing. Master P, make him say, uh, himself, Mr. No Limit, has officially bought House of Glory Wrestling. He is now the sole owner of House of Glory Wrestling, and TMZ reported it by interviewing him and Romeo. And uh, I forget Romeo's sister's name, but the Miller family was present in front of TMZ. 
They asked questions, and he admitted that he is now the owner of House of Glory Wrestling, which is based out in New York. And uh, he, to those who don't know, Master P has a lot of history with pro wrestling. As you know, in the WCW days, he made a lot of appearances in pro wrestling. He had a crew of wrestlers and all kinds of things. He's a big pro wrestling fan, and he's also a businessman. He's not just a business. He's a businessman. Get you that little Jay-Z reference real quick. But nonetheless, shout out to Master P and No Limit. This is a new venture for them. He told Vince McMahon that he's coming for him and he better watch out. So stay tuned. Hopefully House of Glory only goes higher from here and gets a lot of mainstream action at this point on. Now, going back to AEW, um, after that phenomenal tag team match between Private Party and the Young Bucks, we had Chris Jericho come in with his brand new stable that we saw form on last week at the end, where it was Jack Hager, a.k.a. Jack Swagger, who is the big bad muscle of the group. He does not speak. He just kicks butt. And, of course, LAX, who is now going by PNP, Pride and Power. And he also had Sammy Guevara with him as well. They are a new stable that goes by the name of the Inner Circle. And so the Inner Circle was there in the ring, and they were cutting a promo in the ring. Jericho, of course, was the main one cutting this promo. He was introducing everyone one by one and letting the audience know why he specifically chose each member of the Inner Circle to be a part of this group and this stable. And then when it got to Jack Hagar... What made this promo so iconic, it was, the, it was the promo of the night, it was the highlight of the AEW show, was the fact that Jericho showed us and reminded us what a true unscripted promo is really like when you get to express yourself and truly just go freely off the dome, not have to worry about anything pre-written for you that you have to try to memorize and go off of that. You can just go out there and say what you freely feel like saying. And Jericho, being the GOAT that he is, Managed to do just that. He threw shots at WWE in a way. And uh, also when Jake Hager was being hijacked by the people and they were chanting, the crowd was chanting, we the people, you had Jericho interfere and say he shut it down on instant, on site, and he said that chant and that gimmick is dead. It is with a dead company. It is with this and that. And I mean, the crowd just went crazy. Jericho... You did it again. You are the GOAT. And, man, we just thank you. Um, WWE, by the way, has been very, very petty. If you guys haven't heard, Vince McMahon actually banned Jay and Silent Bob. I don't really know their real names again. I keep forgetting. I know it's Kevin Smith, and I forget the other guy's name, but everybody who knows them as Jay and Silent Bob, they were guests on AEW last week. And they actually admitted and noted in an interview that they were supposed to come to WWE SmackDown that same week and they were going to promote the movie that they have. Well, WWE decided after they saw them on AEW, they said, you are not welcome to come on WWE show. And they basically got banned. So WWE, that's pretty petty of you guys. Very, very classy to be making celebrities just choose sides like that. I mean... It's only a free country. I mean, aren't we entitled to go and show up at any wrestling promotion that we choose? I mean, it's not like we're not still supporting you, WWE. Why would you want to do such a thing? 
because you're petty. Just as petty as when you had the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kairi Sane, win the women's tag team titles at Hell in a Cell, not knowing that Ryu, that same week, Ryu became the first ever AEW women's champion, who happens to be Japanese, just like Asuka and Kairi Sane are. Therefore, is it a coincidence, people? You have an Asian tag team, a Japanese tag team, win the tag team titles when a Japanese sensation wins the women's title and is looked at as the face of the women's division currently in AEW. I think not, guys. WWE, you're not slick. We see what you're doing here. Nonetheless, AEW had a phenomenal show. My only critique was the fact that, A, I think they still need to work on the sound when it comes to their entrance music. It seems like the crowd drowns it out to where you hear the crowd, but you don't hear the music. It's not like how WWE, where you can hear the music and the crowd at the same time. You can hear the music in full effect, get familiar with the music, all of that. So hopefully they work on that in time. They're still young. This is only week two. And so hopefully they get better with that sound as far as the entrance music when the wrestlers come out. Um, also, my other nitpick was just the fact that once again, AEW ended on the same note as last week where you had the inner circle and the elite battling it out, going against each other. And yeah, you know, it, it, that was cool for another week, but hopefully going into this week, they don't end it in that same way. Nonetheless, great job, AEW. Great job, NXT. Um, check out both shows if you can. And uh, yeah, that was it for those shows there. So let's move on over to Friday. We had Friday Night SmackDown. This was supposed to be a big deal episode simply because of the fact that this was draft day. We heard so much about this draft. We knew that the wild card rule, rest in peace, we'll get to that in a sec, but the wild card rule, which nobody was really feeling, we knew that with that coming to a final end, we knew that this draft day was looked at to be as something special. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't as special as it portrayed itself to be, and so this WWE draft, it was, it was definitely something. I mean... Now, it was only the first one. We still have another draft, the second half of this draft, coming tomorrow night on Raw. And so we'll see how it goes on tomorrow night. But if it's anything like it was on Friday night, to be utterly honest, guys, it is totally, totally just a waste of your time. I mean, so far, based off the results of this draft, let's just get right into it. So... They open up SmackDown where it was supposed to be Roman Reigns going against Seth Rollins, who is the universal champion, by the way, and he's supposed to be the top guy, yet he's in a match going against his buddy Roman Reigns, and the winner of that match gets the first pick for their brand. A lot of people thought that was strange because Seth Rollins is the universal champion, and you're thinking, well, shouldn't the universal champion be the first pick in the draft. But I guess WWE thought differently. So they have a match, and it was what it was. You know, they know each other well. They got chemistry. It was a pretty good match. 
And basically it ended in a, I guess, a disqualification because The Fiend comes out. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, comes out. He attacks Seth Rollins. He came from underneath the ring. He drags Seth underneath the ring with him. Smoke comes out of the ring. Seth Rollins gets out of the ring. And he's trembling in fear and he's trying to get away. And then we see the fiend Bray Wyatt pop his head back up like some creepy Halloween-esque type stuff, like he's stalking Seth Rollins. And then he pops his head back under the ring. The lights go off. It does the eerie shriek that it does when the fiend comes out. And then we see him on the stage looking back at Seth. And that was kind of that. Roman Reigns was nowhere to be found when this happened. He was pretty much out of dodge. Say what you will about that. But nonetheless, because of the interference of The Fiend or whatever you want to call that, even though we didn't really hear the bell ring, we didn't hear that he won by disqualification. We didn't get none of that, by the way. It just kind of, it was just a normal attack by The Fiend. And then next thing you know, it was like, oh yeah, you forgot. A live match was going on. So SmackDown gets the first pick. Actually, I'm sorry, Raw ended up getting the first pick. And Raw decided to draft WWE Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch got drafted to Raw. SmackDown gets their number one pick, and they chose Roman Reigns, the big dog. Now, what was so funny yet so corny about this draft was the fact that they had fake network executives representing Fox and representing USA. And so you guys who watch the NFL and the NBA, you know how they have the owners and the teams and the GMs and the board, and they have the little boardrooms where they're making their selection on who they want to draft to their team, and you see the reaction they give when they draft who they wanted. Well, WWE tried to do their version of incorporating that and adding that sports element feel that Fox wants them to add anyway. I mean, it was weird, guys, because you had... You had your WWE panel with Renee Young and Booker T and all those guys, you know, and they're talking about the draft and who they feel is a, a steal and stuff like that. And then you got, they had stuff like Michael Strahan and Terry Bradshaw and the crew from the Fox Sunday night, you know, Sunday night experience. You have them talking about the draft. And it just didn't come off as organic. It came off as scripted and fake. It, it, the very word that wrestling fans don't like to hear. And it was just weird. I mean, I felt like I was watching Sunday night football. Only there was no football going on because it was pro wrestling. And so, I don't know, guys. You be your own judge on how you feel about that. But going into SmackDown on Friday, it just didn't really seem as hyped up. You know, the draft used to be a very big deal. I'll never forget. I used to actually love when they did the draft because things like sh people like Shelton Benjamin, when you saw Shelton Benjamin get broken up from Charlie Haas as the world's greatest tag team, he got moved from SmackDown and drafted over to Raw. And you got to see him shine in a singles way. You know, he got put up against Triple H and he beat Triple H and upset victories a couple of times. And and then he won the Intercontinental Championship, and he held that for a long time. I mean, it, it's just moments like that when the draft used to be fun because when a tag team got split up or just somebody that wasn't important on the last brand they were on 
they get moved to the new brand and then they rebrand themselves and they become a totally different persona, you know? So I don't know. It, it just didn't seem like it was all that, you know, but again, you be the judge, try to catch the highlights of SmackDown if you can on the WWE website or just head to the YouTube and look under the WWE YouTube page, look at the SmackDown highlights and you'll see. So let's continue in with these draft picks. Bray Wyatt, the fiend, or should I say Bray Wyatt and the fiend have now become a part of the SmackDown brand. So Bray Wyatt, the fiend is officially exclusive to the SmackDown brand. So that was the first major change of the day, because as we know, even though it was hard to tell because there were times where we saw the fiend on SmackDown, we mostly saw the fiend on raw. So he is now going to be on SmackDown from here on out. We will no longer see the fiend Bray Wyatt show up on raw. We will now see him on SmackDown. Raw decided to draft their number three pick, Drew McIntyre, who, by the way, was already on Raw, so there was nothing new about that. So then we go to the number fourth pick for Raw, because as you know, for every pick that SmackDown makes, Raw gets to make two picks because they're a three-hour show. That was part of the rules that they had. I thought that was very silly. Understandable, but very silly to just add that rule in there. But again, it goes to that sports aspect. I get it. So Raw drafted number four, and they drafted the Viper Randy Orton. So Randy Orton is another change. He goes from SmackDown back to Raw, so should be interesting to see how they use the veteran Viper on the Monday Night Raw brand. Now, SmackDown got their number third draft pick, and their number three pick was my girl, my wifey, even though she's married, that's okay, the boss, Sasha Banks, a.k.a. also The Blueprint. Sorry, Matt Morgan, that your name's being hijacked. But Sasha Banks is now officially on the SmackDown Blue brand. Ironic, because she has blue hair. So that should be interesting to see in the forefront. We also saw Ricochet get drafted number five by Monday Night Raw. No surprise, because he was already on Raw, so that's nothing new. SmackDown got their number fourth pick. And they chose Braun Strowman, another new addition to the SmackDown brand. Whoopee! Should be interesting to see what Braun does on SmackDown. Okay, so Raw chose their number six draft pick, and they picked the almighty Bobby Lashley. All right. Need I mind you guys, he was already on Raw to begin with. So again, nothing new. So far, Raw in this draft... I guess you could say kind of got the L because of the fact that everybody they drafted was kind of already on their show. But I get it. This is a legit exclusive brand type of deal. So I get it. You know, they have to make it seem like a big deal. So Raw picks again. They pick number seven. Their seventh pick was the goddess Alexa Bliss. Now, there was rules within the draft that said tag teams counted as one draft pick. Alexa Bliss did not get drafted with Nikki Cross. They were officially a tag team because they were tag team champions. Yet, Alexa Bliss is on Raw, and Nikki Cross got chose and brought over to SmackDown. So that team, that tag team that people were getting used to, is now broken up. And what's weird about that is just the fact that now it explains 
explains kind of why the Kabuki, Kabuki Warriors won the SmackDown Women's Tag Team titles. It's crazy because now Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss don't get a rematch. So, again, it just goes back into my point from earlier about those women's tag team titles. What do you do now? Because you just split up the team that they beat for those titles, so there won't be a rematch there. Because otherwise, if you do that, it's just right back to that stupid wild card rule. So, yeah, don't know how that's going to go, but they might as well get rid of those tag team titles at this point for the women. But anyway, moving on, SmackDown drafts for their number fifth pick, the lady, the Southern Belle herself, Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans now moves to SmackDown, which is good for her. I mean, she's going to get a lot of shine on the Fox network. Hopefully she gets a big push. We'll see what happens. Now, another new addition to Raw as they drew their eighth pick. They picked Kevin Owens to be a part of Monday Night Raw. Will Shane McMahon end up joining him on that brand? We shall find out, folks. Stay tuned on that one. Okay, moving on. SmackDown chose for their number six pick, the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, The Revival. Again, no surprise, nothing new. They are the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Now, the move is new because they were technically raw talents, but they were raw talents with the SmackDown Tag Titles. So by default, you kind of saw that coming. Okay, the ninth pick for Raw goes to Natalia. Natalia Nineheart ends up getting the ninth pick for Raw, and we're going to keep it at that. Okay, the 10th pick for Raw goes to the Viking Raiders, the War Raiders, the War Machine, and all those other names, Viking Experience. Put it all together. They're on Raw. Okay, moving on. Now, this is where things were a little random and a little weird, but SmackDown picked for their seventh pick. They picked the Lucha House Party, a team that is very stereotypical, albeit I love luchadors. I love all three of those gentlemen. They're very talented. The stereotype of that gimmick they have, nobody really cares about. But nonetheless, the Lucha House Party has been moved to SmackDown for the seventh pick. And as mentioned earlier, Nikki Cross is now on Raw. She has been on Raw, but with her partner, Alexa Bliss, moving over to SmackDown. Actually, let me make sure I got that correct. Again, guys, I just botched again. Nikki Cross is on Raw. However, they don't appear to be together as a tag team. So I guess that means they split up. I don't really know. It's confusing. It's really confusing. Okay. So SmackDown draws their eighth pick, and we have Heavy Machinery as the number eighth pick for SmackDown. They were already SmackDown talents, so again, nothing new. Raw's final 12th pick of the evening for that SmackDown show goes to my boys, the Street Profits. Now, this is a bit of a surprise because for weeks they had just been on Smack on Raw and on SmackDown just as hosts where they would kind of just play goofy and, you know, just do all kind of stuff. And now I guess they're officially talent on raw. So they, I guess you can say are officially called up from NXT seeing as how they lost the tag team titles in NXT. They lost their rematch to the undisputed era. So there's nothing really left for the street profits to do in NXT. So it makes sense that they're now on raw they are very, very big, you know, um, 
Paul Heyman, as you know, is over Raw, and he is a big fan of those guys. So makes sense that they would be on the Raw brand. So good for the Street Profits. Look forward to see what they do with those brothers on the Raw brand. And that pretty much does it for your draft on Raw and SmackDown. Now, because of that, as I mentioned earlier, you had a free agent pool. So anybody that didn't get selected from the first 30, they basically became free agents. And as I listed earlier, free agents have been signed both to Raw and SmackDown. And there are still some free agents who are sitting out there. So as you can see, ladies and gents, they're really treating WWE like a legit NFL, NBA sports show where you got people who are on a team and people who aren't on a team. They're just sitting at home waiting for a phone call or waiting for a contract. I suppose next they're going to be like, hey, WWE superstars who are free agents, go ahead and get you a legit agent to represent you and get you a contract with SmackDown and or Raw. Let's see how that goes. Now, with SmackDown's draft, again, where it was a disappointment was the fact that they had all those fake network executives who were basically celebrating for picks. And it just didn't come off as organic. It looked very corny. And it was laughable at how corny it really was. I mean, you, you were looking at it and you're just like, okay. And Fox had the little Fox Sports NFL robot uh, to those of you who watch NFL football, if you remember the little robot that shows up in the NFL uh, spot, they had him in the draft room for SmackDown, and that was interesting to see. Um, yeah, so that was SmackDown, and that was the draft. And like I said, we have free agents still in the free agent pool. We have some that just got signed. And the draft is going to continue on Monday Night Raw tomorrow night basically how that's going to go is there's going to be about 41 superstars and Raw and SmackDown get to pick who they want from that 41 pool. And then the ones who don't get selected, much like SmackDown, they will be free agents. And then Raw and SmackDown will be able to have dibs at whoever they want to get out that free agent pool. And I guess whoever doesn't get selected just doesn't end up on a show. Maybe they end up on NXT Maybe they end up on NXT UK. I don't know. I guess, or maybe they just end up at home getting free money. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe that, I think it would be cool if the quote unquote free agents would just be able to go home and spend time with their families and, you know, rest their bodies and just train and, you know, just be ready for if somebody gets injured and they have a spot open and they're like, hey, we want to sign you to Monday Night Raw or we want to sign you to SmackDown. Since they're giving it that sports aspect, I think that would make more sense if they do something like that. Because generally in WWE, there is no offseason. And really in pro wrestling, you could say the same thing. And in the pro wrestling business, unlike the NFL and the NBA, there's no offseason where you get to rest and recuperate and get your body and your mind right. So I guess, you know, with this whole free agent thing, hopefully for those who don't get selected to go anywhere, hopefully that just means that's considered an off season for them and they can just, you know, be on the road. They can travel with their family and their friends and, you know, keep themselves in good tip top shape so that in the event 
Raw or SmackDown, you know, calls them and say, hey, we need to sign you. They'll be ready. But, you know, treat it like an offseason and just let them kind of rest and recuperate. But that's just my two cents on that. Uh, so, yeah, we'll just see how the rest of this turns out on Monday Night Raw. Again, I was not too impressed with what I saw on SmackDown's draft. But hopefully Raw is a lot less unpredictable and everything opposite of what Friday Night SmackDown was with that draft. But that does it for this week in wrestling. Um, so no particular guest on this week, guys. I hope you've enjoyed just me. Um, I'm going to come still coming up with some segments. I do have some segments in mind. So in the next couple of episodes, I will debut some of those segment ideas that I have, but I'm saving those for when I have a guest on board. So anytime it's just you and me guys, we're definitely just going to recap the week in wrestling. Now I will go ahead and do my one segment that I normally do with guests, but I'm going to do this for myself because it was just one heck of a week. So I think I'm going to do my two-minute wrestling promo. That's right. My life's a botch two-minute promo, guys. I'm going to go ahead and do this thing. That's right. So <clears throat> let me get in my character for a second. <clears throat> All right, guys, here we go. All right, I'm just going to get this off my chest right now. I'm not happy, y'all. I ain't happy at all. You see, I'm in a fantasy football league, and I just lost on today in one of my money leagues, and I was really winning that entire match. I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty pissed off right now. And you know what I blame? You know who I blame? I blame WWE for this nonsense. They threw me off my game this week. You're going to come up in here, and you're going to sit here and tell me you're going to make me think that The Fiend is somebody that y'all just going to shove in my face. One of the hottest acts. And then you're going to do them like that. You're going to let the crowd come up in your house, chant AEW in your house because of what you did wrong. I mean, where do you go off doing something like that, Vince McMahon? Tell me. Do you feel good when you go home at night? When you go on your billion-dollar plane and you take that flight and you go back home or you go off to the WWE Towers, do you feel good about yourself when you realize that we heard you were laughing in the back because you were laughing at the fact that The Fiend was getting that reaction and that Seth Rollins was getting booed by the audience and they're chanting stuff like refund and they're chanting please start back? You're going to laugh at things that aren't funny? Is this a laughing matter? Hmm? Do I look like I'm joking, Vince? Do we look like we're joking? We are wrestling fans. We have the power to cancel that network you call a WWE network, okay? And yeah, we can stop watching if we so choose. But I'm not going to lie, y'all. Like I said, I'm pretty teed off. See, I had a chance to win some money right now, and I ain't win it this week because I allowed that billion-dollar butthole to come forth and try to act like he was the best man on the planet, flexing his little stuff and his little muscles around. You want to flex your grapefruits? Well, I tell you what, man, you take them shoveled grapefruits, them old wrinkled grapefruits that you call, well, you know, 
grapefruits. You take them and you shove them right down your throat. Choke on yourself, Vince. Why? Because you ain't giving no good product. Your product is trash, man. And us fans ain't happy about it. And we know you know this because you always talk about it. But you know what? It's all good. So I tell you what, Vinny Mac. When you feel like you're ready to give a good show, a show that's worth watching from start A to start B, you come give me a call. In the meantime, I'm done with you, man. Okay, that was a little two-minute promo. I hope y'all enjoyed that. I was a little all over the place. I wasn't really too, too prepared, but I tried to still give something good. I don't know. Just a little something for y'all, man. But anyways, nonetheless, this is Life's a Botch podcast. I want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen. I'm trying to get better with this thing. Please, 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 please give me all your likes, your feedback. Uh, leave some reviews. Leave a five-star review, a four-star review, two-star, whatever star you want to leave. Just leave some type of review. Let me know you're listening. Follow me. Follow us at Life's a Botch podcast on Instagram. Follow us, man. We try to post a lot of cool content and funny botch videos. Uh, also, man, just in general, just just let us know that you're out there and you're listening. Uh, I'm definitely wanting to start to do some, some shout-outs. So if you're an active listener and you're listening right now, make sure you're following me on IG. Comment on one of the posts and just let us know that you're an active listener so we can shout you out next week. Uh, but tune in next week because I'm definitely going to make sure I have a guest on next week. And uh, you guys enjoy. And just remember, man, life is a botch. But don't worry. It's not about how you botch. It's not about the fact that you botched. It's the fact that you made a mistake and you learn from it, baby. You learn from it. This is your boy, Highlight Real, a.k.a. the Botch King. And we signing out of this thing, all right? Y'all have a great night. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Peace.